<coughs> Thanks for coming out this uh, Sunday morning. And if you're among those people that listen to these talks from a remote location, such as iTunes or the Bombay website, Iskon Desire Tree, you're welcome to give us your feedback and comments by writing to us at utahkrishnas at gmail.com. We also have a membership class online, which you're welcome to take at our website at www.utahkrishnas.org. And we'd like to thank our members because without their support, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. <coughs> Everything's based on the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who's the founder Acharya of the Hare Krishna movement worldwide. We had Thanksgiving just a few days ago, and uh, I thought it might be appropriate to talk about giving thanks and gratitude. We've entitled this talk, In Everything, Give Thanks. And we'll start with a joke, if that's okay with you. The day before Thanksgiving, an elderly man from Phoenix called up his son in New York. And he said, son, I hate to ruin your day, but your mother and I, after 45 years of marriage, we're calling it quits. We're getting divorced. Would you call up your sister in Chicago and tell her the news? Frantic, beside himself, the son called his sister in Chicago and he said, mom and dad are getting divorced. And she, she says, no way in heck is that going to happen. She said, book tickets, we're going to be there in Phoenix tomorrow morning. She called up her dad in Phoenix and she said, Dad, you're, my brother and I, were coming to Phoenix, we'll be there tomorrow morning. Don't do anything when we get there. You promise? You promise you won't do anything when we get there? The old man agreed. He put down the phone. He said to his wife, Honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving and they're paying their own fare. So this next is a video that I downloaded. It puts uh, Thanksgiving into context. It's got a lot of nice quotes about it, and it explains how it is that here in America we came to observe Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're not seeing the video part of it, I'll just narrate it and read it as it comes up on the screen. So here we go. Once in every year we throng upon a day apart to praise the Lord with feast and song in thankfulness of heart. Author Gudeman, the first Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, a celebration born in hardship, a reconciliation between cultures, a proclamation by presidents, the tradition of our nation. On Thanksgiving Day, we acknowledge our dependence by William Jennings Bryan. Acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, obey His will, be grateful for His benefits. Perhaps it takes a purer faith to praise God for unrealized blessings than for those we once enjoyed or those we enjoy now. A.W. Tazer. We can only be said to be alive in those moments when our hearts are conscious of our treasures. Thornton Wilder. O Lord that lends me life, lend me a heart replete with thankfulness. William Shakespeare. Reflect upon your recent blessings, not on your past misfortunes. Charles Dickens. I do not think of all the misery, but of the glory that remains. Anne Frank. Enter into his gates of thanksgiving. Be thankful unto him, for the Lord is good. Psalms. From Chronicles, give thanks to the Lord, make known among the nations what he has done. Thanksgiving for what you have, for what you don't, for all things, 
in all things, through all things, to the King of all kings, give thanks. And this is the actual proclamation that Abraham Lincoln signed. Observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Oftentimes the greatest stumbling block for our being thankful for all the many gifts and blessings that we enjoy is perspective. Sometimes it's a matter of just getting the right perspective on things. And uh, a young student named Susie wanted to teach this lesson to her mom about how everything depends on perspective. If you see things one way, you're ungrateful. If you see the same things in a proper perspective, then you become grateful. So she wrote this uh, letter to her mom. I have to warn you, there's a PS after it that doesn't appear on the screen. Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. I broke my arm and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had the fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the servant's station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He's been so nice. I must admit that I'm pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing fine and will write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter Susie. So you can imagine how distraught the parents were after reading this. And then they come down to the P.S. and they read. And this changes their whole attitude. None of this is true. <laughs> but I did get a C in sociology and flunk chemistry. I just wanted to receive this news in the proper perspective. <laughs> if she'd written right off the bat, I got a C in sociology flunk, her parents would have been very distraught and ungrateful. But because she wrote this, and then she wrote that, imagine they had a whole different reaction to the news. It all depends upon your perspective. Cicero, the great Roman orator, said, Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it is the parent of all others. And there are three things that keep us from showing gratitude for all the many, many blessings in our life. One is pride, one is complaining, and the other one is to be careless about ourselves. I'll give you an example of pride keeping as a stumbling block for showing gratitude. In 1923 in Japan, there was a huge earthquake, just like recently there was one about a year ago. But this one was on an even greater scale. It was the largest disaster in recorded history up until that time. 45,000 square miles were affected by the earthquake. Five major cities. 300,000 people died. Two and a half million people homeless. There was depression, there was pestilence, there was disease, there were also, along with the earthquake, typhoons, typhoons and other disasters. The whole country was on the brink of total destitution. But in America, the Red Cross raised $10 million from donations. And you can imagine, 1923, $10 million went a lot further than it does today. They sent supplies, they sent food, clothing, shelter, medical supplies, doctors, and they literally brought that country right back from the precipice. The people of Japan were so grateful, and the emperor, that they issued an official proclamation that we will never forget the kindness of the Americans. That was in 1923. Eighteen years later, you know what happened? On December 7, 1941, that anniversary is coming up in about a week and a half, 
The Japanese launched a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. They killed 3,000 Americans. They sunk the Pacific fleet. And they gloated over this. They said, we have brought the Americans to their knees. They will now beg us for mercy. So before we get too smug and look down on the Japanese for being unmindful of past mercies, we should remember that there's a considerable amount of that in each and every one of us. You know, we get up every morning. It's a gorgeous day that the Lord has made. We breathe air. We drink water. We have so much to be thankful for, and yet we take it for granted. So there's a little bit of that pride, at least a little bit, in each and every one of us. Another thing that fails, that causes us to fail to give thanks is complaining. I read this uh, account of a lady, complainer. A lady known as an incurable grumbler constantly complained about everything. At last, her preacher thought he had found something about which she would be happy, for her farm crop was the finest for miles around. When he met her, he said with a beaming smile, You must be very happy, Mary. Everybody is saying, How healthy your potatoes look this year. Mary says, True, they're pretty good. But what am I going to do when I need bad ones to feed the pigs? (laughs) There's another instance in the Bible when the Israelites were wandering in the desert They had no food, no means of growing it, and manna rained from heaven. Initially, they were grateful that this manna saved their lives. But after a couple of weeks, all that could be heard in the camp was complaining. Do we have to eat the same thing every day? A third reason is carelessness. If if God lit the night sky with stars and a beautiful moon once a year, everybody would be out there drinking in the vision. But because it happens every day... We take it for granted. And and maybe for many of us in the course of an entire year, we never once go out and just stand and look at the night sky and give thanks for that. Pride, complaining, and carelessness. It's important to focus on what we have and not be distracted by what we don't have. An advertising company in New York made an experiment. They sent one of their executives out looking like a homeless person with an old ratty old coat and pants with... uh, sunglasses and a tin and a sign that said, I'm blind. He sat all day on the streets of New York and at the end of the day he collected $4. Next day they sent the same man, same tattered coat, same wraparound sunglasses, same tin, but the sign was altered a little bit. It said, it's springtime and I'm blind. That day he collected $40 because the sign reminded people of what they had to be thankful for. That whereas he was blind and he couldn't see all the colors and the blossoming of spring, they could. And that reminder put them in a more gracious, elevated state of consciousness. Thanksgiving should not be thanks for things that we have. Because everything that we have, even our bodies, will be lost in due course of time. Here it's explained that our forefathers were not so much thankful for things as they were thankful in things. God never promised that you wouldn't get cancer. He never promised that you wouldn't get an automobile accident. Just because we're walking a righteous, godly path, it doesn't mean that the things that happen to others will not happen to us. God never promised that we won't have challenges in our life. But He did promise that if we stay in faith, we'll get through them. So we don't necessarily have to be thankful for everything, for cancer, for accidents. But we'll be thankful in everything based on God's promise that we'll go through it. So here it is said, our forefathers were not so much thankful for something as they were thankful in something. And what is that in something? Thankful in their relationship with God. 
which is never lost to us. In bounty or in want, they were thankful. In feast or famine, they were thankful. In joy or misery, they were thankful. There's a big difference between being thankful for things which we'll lose and being thankful in all things. Thanksgiving is not based on what we have, which is mutable, but it's based on a relationship with the Lord, which is immutable. It means that if we lose the things that we have, we're not going to lose our sense of gratitude because things come and go, but our relationship with the Lord is ongoing and eternal. I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, it was a TV show called Roots. It was written and created by Alex Haley. It's about the African-American experience. It was the most popular TV show in history up to that time. In his office, Alex Haley had this picture of a turtle on top of a post. And once when he was asked, why do you have this unusual picture in your office? He said, whenever uh, people praise me for having written the most popular television script in history, whenever I get an award like an Emmy or Grammy or whatever, whenever someone says, you're such a good writer or such a genius, I look at that picture and I look at the turtle. The turtle didn't get to the top of the post by himself. He obviously had help. And that reminds me that I didn't get to where I am by myself. Whatever talents and abilities I had were gifted to me. They were embedded within me by God. And so it's to Him that the thankfulness and the gratitude and the credit should actually go. Our own version of the story, Prabhupada, the founder of the Hare Krishna movement, he told this story called uh, Punar Mushika Bhava. In Sanskrit, uh, punar means again, mushika means mouse, and bhava means become. Again, become a mouse. He tells the story of a sage who was meditating one day, and a little mouse came and started scratching, trying to get his attention. So the sage said to the mouse, he, he broke his trance, and he said, what do you want? And the mouse said, uh, cats are bothering me. And so the sage says, all right, then by my mystic power, you become transformed into a cat. A couple of weeks later, he's again bothered. It's the cat, bad. He says, now what? Dogs. Dogs are always chasing me. All right, become a dog. A couple of weeks later, the dog is back. Now what? Tigers. Tigers eat dogs, and they terrify me. Then the sage said, become a tiger. And instead of going away, the tiger's lingering. And he's looking at the sage. And he's licking his lips and his whiskers are twitching. He's looking at the sage. The sage is looking at him. He's looking at the sage. And the sage says, You want to eat me? And the tiger says, Yes. Then the sage says, Punar, Mushika, Baba. Then again become a mouse. If you've studied your history, you've read about great empires, Roman Empire, Carthage, British Empire, American Empire. They rise to great prominence. Once it was said that the sun never sets on the British Empire. That's how powerful it was. And each one has an icon of power. The Americans have the eagle. The British had the lion. But if we get to where we are, blessed by power and opulence and world influence, and we forget who it was whose favor put us there, and we become ungrateful as individuals and as a nation, then, again, we become a mouse. So we need to be constantly mindful that where we are, we didn't get there by ourselves. We were put there. We were placed there. We had help. 
And this attitude of expressing gratitude is helpful across the boards. A study was done of the most successful families, the happiest families, the happiest workplaces, the happiest companies. And it was discovered, one common denominator, that the ratio of criticism to praise was four to one. That every time the head of the family or the owner of the business would point out to someone how they could be doing something better, they would make sure that for that one criticism, they would come back four more times and tell them how they were doing something really well, something really excellent. It created an atmosphere of thanksgiving and appreciation in which family members and employees thrived. Let's also be thankful that God is of that same high-minded mentality. He doesn't dwell on our faults. He's willing to overlook our faults and identify our strong points. We have this story that when Krishna came into the world, just like if you're a Christian, you believe that Christ appeared 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. He was on the planet for 32 years. Our information is that God himself came 5,000 years ago. He was on the planet for about 125 years. So, and it's interesting because just like when Jesus was born, Herod tried to have him killed. He had all the firstborn. So when Krishna appeared, the tyrant of that time, his name was Kamsa, he heard a prophecy that this child who was just born would kill him. So he also had all the first, every male child that was born within 10 days, he had him killed. But some or other, Krishna was hidden and he escaped it. So then Kamsa sent various demons to try to destroy Krishna. And one of them was named Putana. Putana was a black-hearted witch who had killed many babies. And so uh, Kamsa asked Putana to transform her demoniac, ogre-like shape into a beautiful woman to smear poison on her breast and to some or other get the ladies who were protecting Krishna to give up Krishna to her breast and then the idea was to kill her. So Krishna did that. Krishna sucked out her poison, he sucked out the milk, and he sucked out her life air. And she fell down dead. She resumed her original horrible form, fell down dead. Now the interesting thing is that Krishna gave her soul, as her soul left the body, instead of going to a hellish place, it went upwards. Her soul got salvation. Now why would God do that to a black-hearted witch who had killed babies? Because he's high-minded. He'll overlook 99 faults, and if he can find one good quality, he'll dwell in that. He'll not remind you of all your faults. And in Putin's case, I don't even know if there was one good quality that he could exalt. Basically, she'd killed children, she was black-hearted, she intended on killing him. So really, Krishna had to kind of spin it in order to give Putin the benefit of the doubt. But he gave her liberation. So that's the kind of God we worship. Not a small-minded, critical, petty, um, gossiping God. But a God who sees the best qualities, who's very, very high-minded. One uh, husband said that whenever he and his wife would argue, she would get historical. And someone said, well, don't you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She brings up everything I've ever done wrong in all of our years of marriage. God is bigger than that. God is uh, greater than that. Let's be thankful that he is who he is and that he's not of the same petty mindset as we are. Think of this. If God met our needs to the same extent that we give our lives, imagine what a pickle we'd be in. What if, we, what if we never saw another flower bloom because we grumbled when God sent the rain? What if God start loving and caring for us because we failed to love and care for others? 
What if God took away his message because we wouldn't listen to his messenger? What if he wouldn't bless us today because we didn't thank him yesterday? What if God answered our prayers the way we answer his call for service? What if God decided to stop leading us tomorrow because we did not follow him today? Another consideration is, should we really celebrate a day of thanksgiving to God for all of our blessings by having a wholesale slaughter of animals? In God's kingdom, in the world that's created and shaped the way he would like it, all living beings have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit and happiness. Not just human beings, but lambs, chickens, cows. They all enjoy sunlight. They all enjoy exercise. They all enjoy family relationships. And they're all equally valuable in the eyes of God. So in his kingdom, which is called the peaceable kingdom, the lion, the ox, uh, the, uh, the sheep, they live in harmony. There's no enmity between them. He said, thou shalt not kill. So if we can live happily and healthily without killing animals to sustain ourselves, wouldn't that be more in, more in keeping with an attitude of thanksgiving than to slaughter millions and millions of animals on the occasion of this day? I saw a cartoon one time. Two turkeys were talking to each other, and one said to the other, and I hate Thanksgiving, the stress, the hypertension, uh, the fear. Why couldn't uh, the Indians have brought the pilgrims pizza instead of turkeys? <laughs> now, if we can cut out unnecessary violence as an offering of thanksgiving to God, if, if we know that when we get to the spiritual world, there will not be this one living being shedding the blood of another, and if we can do that here and now, what would be the objection, really? Uh, American Cancer Society, American Heart Association, they all say that the less meat you eat, the healthier you're going to be. Uh, we have a girl who comes here from Westminster College, and she's on the track team. She's a heptathlon. That means she runs seven events on the track team. And her boyfriend's a vegetarian. But she defends herself. She says, I, I have to eat meat because I'm on the track team. And I'm thinking, Edwin Moses, Olympic gold medal winner, five times in the hurdles, vegetarian. Carl Lewis, who set every track record imaginable, the broad jump, the long jump, the 100-yard dash, the relay, vegetarian. Uh, Dave Scott, who won the Hawaiian Ironman eight times consecutively. It's a two-mile swim in the ocean, 125-mile bike ride, and a 26-mile race. He's the only one that's won it eight times in a row. He's a vegetarian. So, and I'm a vegetarian. I'm 65 years old. I've been a vegetarian for 43 years. I've run 32 marathons. Uh, to this day, I enjoy good health. I do push-ups. I walk. I jog. And I'm a vegetarian. I haven't eaten meat in 42 years. So it's very doable. And if the kingdom of God is going to be that way, that we don't feed on the flesh of others, we don't, and it's within our capabilities to adopt that. In fact, it's preferable. It increases our quality of life. Then I need to leave you with the question of why don't we incorporate this principle of nonviolence into our Thanksgiving rituals and Thanksgiving observances? We're all looking for happiness. It's a common denominator. Whatever anyone does, it's in order to enjoy happiness and pleasure. Gratitude is the surest route to happiness and satisfaction. Benjamin Franklin says, Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do. 
I find what he says here very interesting. He says, all happy people are grateful. Have you ever met a grateful person who isn't happy? And have you ever met an unhappy person who isn't ungrateful? I mean, think about it. Think about it. And this is a very interesting point. He says that we tend to think that it's being unhappy that causes people to complain. But actually, it's the complaints that make people unhappy. Becoming grateful will mean that you'll become a happier person. And why should we be grateful to God? Does He need it? Does He crave our attention? Does He uh, feed upon our appreciation? No, we need to be grateful because it's good for us. It's beneficial uh, for us. Learning to be thankful, whether it's to God or to other people, is the best vaccination against taking good fortune for granted. And the less that we take for granted in life, the more pleasure and joy that we'll experience. The father of modern stress studies, whose name is Hans Sale, he said that gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. In everything, give thanks. Not necessarily for everything, but in everything, give thanks. Fanny Crosby was a Christian who wrote 8,000 hymns. She wrote so many hymns that she had to publish them under different pseudonyms. It's interesting because when she was a teenager, she had a minor eye infection. Just a little pink eye, nothing terribly serious. She went to a local doctor who gave her the wrong medicine. It permanently blinded her for life. So at the end of her life, someone came up to her and said, Fanny, if you had to go back and meet that doctor again, what would you say to him? She said, I would thank him with all my heart. Because I know as a result of my blindness, I was able to focus on God and be thankful for many things. I cannot guarantee, I cannot warranty that if I had been left with my sight, that I would have had the same focus. I cannot guarantee that with my sight, I would not have been distracted away from His glories. Rudyard Kipling. Most authors are only appreciated posthumously after they die. Generally, they die impecunious, they die in poverty. Rudyard Kipling was appreciated during his lifetime. He became quite a wealthy man based on the sales of his books. One newspaper reporter came up to him one time and he said, uh, Mr. Kipling, I've done the math and I figured out that for every word you've written in your career, you've made $100. So he was kind of a smart aleck, so he pulled $100 out of his pocket and he said, Here, Mr. Kipling, would you give me one of your $100 words? And Kipling snatched the $100 out of his, put it in his pocket, said thanks. Thanks is not just a $100 word, it's a $100 million word. When you open your heart up and you thank God for the air, for the life itself, for all the things that we have surrounding us, it opens up blessings, it opens up doors, it opens up favor. God glances in your direction, He breathes in your direction. He's partial to grateful people. So there's nothing that not, cannot be accomplished if one has gratitude in one's heart. When we opened up the Spanish Fort Temple in June of 2001, a little more than 10 years ago, thousands of people came to the opening. Senator Orrin Hatch was there as a keynote speaker. Gary Herbert, who's now the governor, was there as a Utah County Commissioner. And all day long, uh, my wife and I were the ones that sort of were instrumental in its creation. All day long, people came up to thank us, to show congratulations. Strangers, friends, all manner of people. 
And I just said two words over and over and over again all day long like a broken wagon. I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because although my wife and I were getting the credit for opening the I knew it wasn't due to us. I knew it wasn't due to us. It was God's plan to have a beautiful temple in an area that's 99% Mormon just to show that he could do something that you wouldn't anticipate being done, just to surprise people, just to get their attention. And I knew that it wouldn't have been created without the good wishes of many Utah Valley people, most of whom were Mormons. There was an atmosphere of positivity and anticipation and excitement about the temple. And in fact, the Mormon LDS Foundation gave us, in May of 1999, $25,000 to help with the the construction of the temple. So I'm the last person, although we got the credit for it, I'm the last person to be so arrogant and prideful to think that we actually built the temple. But it was important to thank other people because without them and their well wishes and support, it would never happen. And because we thank people at the opening of that temple, here we fast forward 10 years later, we've got another beautiful temple, which just fell into our lap at a very reasonable price, a downtown area, 13,000 square feet of building, four acres of land, unlimited potential. We're so excited. But I believe that this acquisition uh, was based on giving thanks at the previous landmark. And how do we give thanks? What's the best way to give thanks? I read about a missionary who went to Africa and he went to a village where people got blind. Nobody knew what it caused, whether it was an environmental factor or genetic factor. But about 45 to 50 years old, they would go blind. And it had been happening generation after generation after generation. So he had a medical background, this missionary, and he looked into it and he dedicated his life to research and he came up with a formula, and a, a potion, that if it was administered to the people, they would not go blind. They escaped their fate, that their fathers and their grandfathers and their great-grandfathers. Now, in expressing their appreciation, they had no word in their dialect for thanks. It just didn't exist. So what they would say by way of appreciation, they would say, for curing me of this blindness that everybody else is... Wherever I go, whoever I talk to, I will tell your name. I will tell your name. I will glorify your name. And that is how I express thankfulness. If you hang around Hare Krishna devotees enough, you'll hear them say this word, Hari Bol. They say it all the time. When they greet, they say Hari Bol. When they go, they say Hari Bol. Pass the salt, Hari Bol. Shall we have some music, Hari Bol. If you want something to eat, Hari Bol. Hari is a name for God, which means who takes away all miseries, and bo means shout. This is our principle, this is our means of showing gratitude towards the Lord, is praising the Lord, shouting or singing or saying the name of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare. Krishna is a name for God, which means all attractive. Ram is another name for God, which means the highest pleasure absolute. And Hari is a way of invoking addressing the Lord. So if, if that Lord who gave salvation to a black-hearted witch, uh, uh, if, he, if He gave salvation to a black-hearted witch, can you imagine the favors, the blessings that are waiting for those who express their gratitude to the Lord by chanting His holy names? Can you imagine how fortunate they are? By, not by virtue of anything they are or anything they do, but by virtue of the character of the Lord, who will overlook 99 faults and find one good quality. The Lord doesn't take our praise and gratitude indifferently. He doesn't say, well, I'm God and they're my servants and they should be singing my name. No. 
He's high-minded. He doesn't take it for granted. He says, oh, they're singing my name. How nice. When you say the name of God even one time in praise and thanksgiving, it gives you more favors than you can imagine. When it's a foundational principle, when you get up in the morning and say, Hare Krishna, Hare Bo, when you sit down before your lunch and you say, Hare Bo, when you go to bed at the evening, you say, Hare Bo, when you see the sun in the sky, you say, Hare Bo, when you see the rain coming down, you say, Hare Bo. Imagine. Imagine how the Lord, because of His character, receives all that. It's not gratitude unless it's expressed. It's not gratitude if you just go around being grateful or thinking grateful. It has to be expressed to be proper gratitude. I heard about this young boy. He was in his teens. He was in a seminary school in Michigan. And he was also in a life-saving team. In 1860, his name was Edward Spence, a ship went aground on Lake Michigan. And 17 times in the freezing, frigid waters, he went into the water, he pulled people out of the water to safety. He saved 17 lives on that day in 1860. When he was 80 years old, someone asked him, what stands in your mind most about that day? He said, what, I, what sticks in my craw about that day was that although I saved 17 people and in the course of it my health was permanently impaired for the rest of my life not one of those people ever took the trouble to look me up and to thank me face to face imagine how he felt imagine how God feels when all he does for us and we go through life taking it for granted and not giving him a word of thanks on the flip side imagine how that great high minded personality feels when we make it our regular daily practice to tell his name. Imagine how he regards those who tell everyone in one form or another about his name in every time, every place, every circumstances, in the morning, in the evening, in the spring, in the winter, in the summer. There are devotees of that category. They're called the gopis. And in our literature, Krishna, who's God, says to the gopis, I can never repay you for your thankfulness to me. There's no amount of blessings, there's no amount of favor, there's no amount of opportunities, there's no amount of open doors that I can give you where I will ever be able to discharge my debt to you for being gratitude to me. It's a competition. The devotee tries to express his gratitude to the Lord and then the Lord is not just going to take that for granted. He's going to then try to express his gratitude towards the devotee. So a dynamic is set up here. Now this principle is not unique to our culture. In the course of doing my homework for this talk, I uh, looked in our Back to Godhead magazine, which is a bi-monthly publication, and the principle of glorifying God through His names is called Kirtan. In the Psalms of David, and this is a picture of David here, there are so many verses which describe exactly what I'm talking about. Thanking God by glorifying His holy name. And I just picked one amongst dozens and dozens of verses to read to you. It's the same principle. And there are many names of God. We take Krishna, Rama, Yehovah, Allah, Adonai, Govind. It's all fine. Any bona fide name of God works. Here it is said by David in Psalms 105. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms. Psalms mean glorify the God by saying His names. 
Talk ye all of His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. And this is one more passage from Chronicles. Uh, The Jewish people, they came to uh, Israel. They got the promised land. Uh, They built a beautiful city, Jerusalem. But they still had the sacred Ark of the Covenant in the tent. Now, in that tent... There was, a, there was a constant contingent of 300 musicians and vocalists who were singing the praises of God day and night. This is what David had arranged. So this passage comes to us. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is God, for His mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. This cloud, it describes, came to them regularly. They would do their chanting and singing every night, and the cloud would come every night. It wasn't just a one-off thing. The cloud was God's favor. The cloud was God saying to them, I am so appreciative. I am so glad. Prabhupada, our guru, again, he says, if nothing else, it's just a matter of etiquette to thank God. He says here, in the ordinary way, if somebody gives me a glass of water when I'm thirsty, it's etiquette. I say thank you. God has given us so vast mass of water in the ocean, in the sea, in the sky. Without water, we cannot live. There's no thanksgiving. Rather, we say God is dead. There is so much profuse light. For this electric light, you are paying bill to the electric company, and God is supplying so much light. In the night, there is moon. In the daytime, there is sun. So He is supplying so much light, and there is no thanksgiving. God can be pleased only by the feelings of your love. That is required. Anyone can do that, provided he feels the gratitude that God is so kind. The devotees of Krishna, Prabhupada goes on to say, do not celebrate Thanksgiving one day a year. We give our prayer of thanks every day and every waking moment. We try to show our gratitude to the Lord by offering Him loving service eternally. If we prevent pride and complaining and carelessness from distorting our perspective, if we remember that we did not achieve our successes by ourselves, if we vaccinate ourselves with thankfulness against taking our blessings for granted, if we take every opportunity to tell God's name to everyone we meet in every circumstances, we have the Lord's many assurances in the Bhagavad Gita, the Song of God, that we shall live happily in this life And in the next life, go back home, back to Godhead. And if you will, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Hare Hare.